I'm Andrea. And I'm Claudia. And we are the Judgy Crime Girls. Yes, we are. Hello and welcome. Hello and welcome to the worst corner on the planet. (laughs) You're back. Thank you for listening. Yes, thanks for coming back. If you're a new listener, we usually start the podcast off with something that we like to call snacks and facts. Yeah. So what's your snack for today? Well, it's called That's It. That's it. Because this is where it's at and that's it. Yeah, it's a fruit bar. It's got blueberries and an apple. Mm-hmm. 20 blueberries and one whole apple. These are delicious. Claudia is doing keto and I just <laughs> wanted to make sure that I could give her a good treat. It is a good treat. It's not keto approved, but I had one anyway. So... I fail her on no, the daily. Not at all. No. These were delicious. I will make up for it tomorrow. All my keto friends know the struggle is real. <laughs> I can relate to that a little bit. I ordered a book today that one of my friends had recommended to me just about food in general and about how, like, in other countries, mm-hmm. the foods we have here are illegal there. Yes. And just a huge part of being healthy is eating right. Yeah. It's called Eat to Beat Disease. Oh, yeah. So I ordered it. I'm going to read it. And it's by Dr. William Lee. It's an actual book to read? Yes, Claudia. (laughs) It sure is. They do have an audio book as well. Yeah. Which I'll probably order the book, end up not finishing it, and then, you know, Going the audio yeah. version. That's probably what will happen there. Yeah, that would be me. Well, good. That sounds good. But yeah, there are, there are a lot of ingredients that are not approved in Europe. Not just food, but also cosmetics. I mean, everything. So I will never forget the first time that I learned that arsenic was just something <laughs> you could just eat and that it's okay. Yeah, in small doses. Now remember, people, don't. <laughs> Try this at home. That's right. That's right. Don't run to your kitchens because Andrea said. Well, I didn't know that you could just randomly order it off the internet either. (laughs) But here we were. (laughs) Yes, you can find it on Amazon. You can find anything on Amazon. Oh, that's true. Let's be real. But yes, today we have amazing snacks, the That's It bar. And my friendly baristas at the Starbucks, shout out to you, Calhoun Street. Okay. They're amazing. And I love them all. Oh, well, Andrea got us some tea. Yeah. And it is called a medicine ball. Mm -hmm. And oh my goodness, it's the most delicious tea I have ever had. It's tart. It's sweet. There's lemonade, like steamed lemonade in it. And just those people, they're just the best people. I love them in there. They lift me up almost daily. (laughs) They're just the sweetest. Oh, good. And these are so good. Yeah, these are delicious. Cheers, everyone. Cheers. Go get you a medicine ball. Yeah. Because it's snowing. But it was just 80 degrees. (laughs) On Saturday and Friday, 80 degrees. And today it's snowing, it's cold, it's wet and disgusting. It sure is. I was texting everybody, have fun making a snowman today. That was mean. 
I know. I'm so rude sometimes. <laughs> so rude. But as far as facts go. Along with our snacks. Yes, they sure do. They pair together well. Yeah. So in order for defamation of character to be considered unlawful, it has to also be untrue. And so people post things all the time online. Uh-huh. And where where is that line? You know, you wonder if you go online and blast something to the world about someone, right. could you get in trouble for that necessarily? Oh, I don't know. Is there a defamation of character line that you can't cross? Oh, I'm sure there is. I'm sure I've crossed it many, many times. I want to know where that line is. I mean, I don't know. know. Legally, how much can you say about me without that becoming illegal? I don't know. Well, good question. I feel like you and I, we could duel this out and try it. Just see who comments below. Right. Oh, yeah, maybe. They'll be like, ooh, the judgy crime girls are fighting. On their own page. <laughs> oh, they won't have much fun. We're kind of lame. <laughs> <laughs> we, we wouldn't know what to say. We'd be like, oh, yeah? And so you, your mom. <laughs> yeah, your mom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That'd be my, funny. probably because I can't think of anything else. That's what I would say. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. So I guess... Watch what you say, but just know it has to be untrue for that. And and ha- we have to right. hold up in court. Right. Yeah. If we have any lawyers that listen, let us know. <laughs> right. So if somebody truly is st- sadistic and narcissistic and we can prove that, we just want to know if it's okay yeah. if we say it. <laughs> right. Oh, that's funny. Oh, that is funny. Just thought I would share. Yeah, thank you. You're welcome. I'm totally going to be Googling this (laughs) for sure. Yes. That's all I've got in my neck of the world other than what I have been addicted to lately. Oh, no. Okay, two things. Jury duty. Uh Uh-huh. So, so funny. There is this dry humor that I can't get enough of, kind of sarcastic, and it is a show where it gives you a glimpse of what it's really like to be on a jury, which is my dream. Uh I do belong there. Uh Uh-huh. But they set it up so that there's only one person that has no idea what's going on. And <laughs> it's all fake. Oh, okay. Except this guy has no idea. So they're actors? Oh, yeah. And it's in a real courtroom. Okay. There's a real, like, judge or what appears to be a real judge. Okay. And, and this one guy just thinks he thinks he's there for jury duty. He sure does. But <laughs> And so then as the trial goes on, all of these crazy things start happening. Okay. And they're just doing it to screw with him. <gasps> and he has no idea. And it's oh, so, no. so funny. And that's on Netflix? So it is on Amazon. Okay. But then it's on Freebie. So when you go to Amazon, search for it, it'll mm-hmm. pop up. Okay, cool. It's I'll have to look awesome. into that. It's very, very, very funny. The other thing that I've been watching 
is a show called Defending Jacob, and it mm-hmm. is on Apple TV+. Plus. Defending Jacob is not a documentary, but it, it is based on a book, and the author was a prosecuting attorney, and in his hometown, he took snippets of several things that he lived through okay. for the book. Mm-hmm. Now, he said, anyone in my area is going to recognize these storylines. Oh. Okay. Now, the whole story of Defending Jacob, I have only, I sat down, I got sucked in. I have only watched the first six. There are two seasons. Oh, wow. Okay. I've only watched the first six episodes. There's eight in the first season. I will tell you, it is awesome. It's based on real life experiences. Okay. He did not want to give away names and stuff. So check it out. So is it in documentary style, like where they talk to people, or is it more like a TV show? It's more like a crime drama, but it's very realistic. Okay. Very, very believable. Just well written. Well nice. done. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So what do you have for us today? Well, we're going on a trip. I figured it's, yeah. I'm leaving on a jet plane. I figured, you know, my last case, we were stateside. And I need to spread my wings. And we're going to Australia. Oh, I'm so That's my first time in Australia. Oh. I'm very excited. I'm so excited (laughs) for you and us. Well, Australia is still number one on my bucket list of places I want to go before I die or get too old. Then we need to do it together. Are there any Australian sponsors for us out there? (laughs) Yeah, it's still number one on my bucket list. One of these days I will make it there. I, I know that flight is going to be super duper long. I'm already complaining flying to Germany and it takes me, you know, 17 hours to get there. I can't even imagine flying to Australia. I had no idea you wanted to go there. Yeah. I want to go there. Always, always, always wanted to go there. And then there was a time, of course, when I was a little bit younger and Crocodile Dundee came out. <laughs> yes. Did you have the hats for him? No, not at all. But. I just thought Australia was super cool. It it was just full of laid back surfers or outback people. (laughs) I would say that's accurate. Almost a jungle island. Yeah. The accent is awesome. Yes. Oh, my gosh. The accent. Mm -mm -mm. I mean, they have (laughs) animals there that have pockets. Doesn't get any better than that. Love it. So yes, it's still number one on my bucket list. And when I saw this case, of course, I had to talk about it because it does involve four German students. (laughs) I, I cannot love you any more than I do right now. Yeah, it was supposed to be a trip of a lifetime for Simone Strobel backpacking through Australia with her longtime boyfriend, Tobias Zuckfuhl, was a dream for the 25-year-old kindergarten teacher. Together with two friends, also from Germany, they traveled all over the country, but 
only three of them would return back to Germany. Are you ruining my dream right now of traveling to Australia? <laughs> well, I would probably, no, 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 not at all. I would just probably say don't travel with your boyfriend. That's right. <laughs> the boys stay home. Yes. Okay, now Andrea does have a husband, so. That's right. But you can you can leave your boyfriend at home. <laughs> <laughs> so let me tell you a little bit about Simona. Simona Strobel was born on September 20th, 1979 in Würzburg, Germany, and she was very open and friendly. She was a kindergarten teacher, and in her free time, she was involved in theater. She loved crazy clothes, bright colors, and sunflowers. I love her already. I know. Wasn't, it just sounds so lovely. If she was staying with her boyfriend, Tobias, at his family's home, she would go home to have breakfast with her parents at 6 a.m. She believed in God. She played guitar, tennis. She smoked. And she drank beer. Aww. And her friends all say she cared deeply for others. She left her family little notes in unexpected places with lines of poetry, sentimental thoughts, and just, in general, uplifting positive notes. She was strong and she was opinionated, but if she had a fight with you, she would call later before the day ended to say she was sorry. Oh, my gosh. She just sounds like the I know. sweetest person. Yeah. The whole family was very, very close, and she would often go home to spend the night with her sister. Aww. Her and Tobias have been dating for six years, and he was in college studying sports medicine. So in 2004, they both decided they wanted to take some time off and backpack through Australia. When you're 24, 25, how cool is that? That's awesome. And to be able to just be like, yeah, let's do this. I mean, I could never. <laughs> so they applied for a working travel visa, which means they can work for a while, make some money, and then travel on, move on to the next place. The night before the trip, Zimona spent the night at her parents' house, and like I just said, the family was very close, and Zimona wasn't going to see them for a year. That was the plan, to backpack in Australia for a year. So she wanted to spend the last night with her family. The day before their trip, Zimona's mom said to Tobias, please bring her back healthy and in one piece. And he promised he would. But Zimuna would not make it back alive. In January 2005, after being in Australia for about six months, they met up with Tobias' sister, Katrin, and a friend, Jens Martin, in Brisbane, Queensland. So for the next three weeks, they um, travel along the New South Wales coast in the camper van. Wow. I know. That's so cool. How long were they planning on staying? So they were planning on the visa was for a whole year. Okay. So six months into it, they invited his sister and it said a friend, and I don't know if it was his sister's boyfriend, to be there for like a month to travel with them. How cool. Yeah. 
They all got along really well. They had a great time. Zimona called home on a regular basis, and she told the family how much fun they're having and how beautiful Australia is. But the beginning of February, the dynamic changed somehow a little bit amongst all four, but specifically Zimona and Tobias. Well, they're all living in this camper van. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're close quarters. Yeah. So on February 11th, 2005, they arrive in Lismore, New South Wales, small town of about 44,000 residents. They found a spot at a campground and decided to spend the night there. And in the evening, they wanted to check out the nightlife and to have some fun. I mean, that's the first thing you do when you get somewhere, right? Let's hit the town. Yeah. See what's going on. So they went to a bar and had some fun. When they got back to the campsite, Zimona said she needed some fresh air, left the area to take a walk. Now, she had no shoes on, no money. She didn't know the area and only spoke broken English. And she left the bar like that? No, the campground. When they got back to the campsite, to the van, she said she needed some fresh air and to take a walk. Okay. They're literally living outside almost. Right. Okay. Well, she never returned. So everyone got worried and looked for her, but they couldn't find her anywhere. The next day, the three of them packed everything up and went to the police to report her missing. They told police officer what happened the night before. They went out, she went on a walk, and didn't return. They said everything was fine, no one was fighting or arguing or anything like that. The police took the report, uh, but they didn't start looking for her right away. Because they said maybe she went to the nearby town, which was mm, was described as a hippie town. Maybe she had some fun there by herself. The next day on February 13th, the group called Zimona's family to let them know what was going on. And Zimona's brother, Alexander, got on the plane to Australia to help look for his sister. Aww. He hopped on it right away. Six days after Zimona disappeared, police found a nude dead body less than 100 meters from the campgrounds where they all stayed. And that's 100 meters, I think, is a little over 300 feet. That's so close. Very close. And because of the heat, the body was already in advanced stages of decomposition. But five days later, dental records flown in from Germany confirmed the body was Simona's. Her body had been carefully hidden under some palm tree leaves. Her feet were clean, suggesting that she had been carried Mm -hmm. there. The evidence also indicated that Simona had been undressed and then passed face down through a chicken wire fence Abrasions on her body suggested two people had done this, although it was possible for one because the police carried out a reconstruction of one and two people pushing a body through the fence. Yeah, that would be hard to do. By yourself, especially. Yeah. A hair had snagged on the chicken wire fence and was collected by the forensics unit. It was without... 
its root. So at this point, DNA testing was not possible without maybe destroying it. And later it was being helped by the German police. There were no defense wounds. Zimona had not fought her attacker. And consequently, police thought it was most likely her attacker was someone she knew and trusted. I was just going to say that. Mm -hmm. So how did she die? Through a process of elimination, they believed Zimona had been asphyxiated with either a pillow or a plastic bag because her larynx wasn't damaged or anything. They couldn't find any marks whatsoever on her. So they think it was either a pillow or a plastic bag. Oh, my gosh. So, of course, Tobias, Katrin, and Jens were taken to the police station and interrogated, but all three denied they had anything to do with Zimona's death. The town of Lismore raised enough money to send Tobias and Zimona's body back to Germany. This was a very small town. I mean, the news, it was all over. And they felt bad, so they raised money for, for them to get them back home. Good. Aww. And when they got home, they were also interrogated by the German police. But they stuck to their story. They were out having fun. No one was fighting. And Zimona left to get some fresh air. Four months passed. On Friday, June 17th, Zimona's boyfriend, Tobias, was named a murder suspect. (gasps) In an announcement to the German media, the state attorney of Würzburg had named Tobias Zuckfeu, his sister Katrin, and Jens Martin as suspects in the German investigation into Zimona's murder. Well, they all should have been suspects immediately. Right. Tobias had apparently given the police false information, but there wasn't enough evidence to make an arrest, but further interrogations in Germany were being planned. The relationship between Tobias and Zimona had gone downhill in the last few days at a campsite in Sandon River, north of Coffs Harbor. But sticking to their original travel plan, they set off to Lismore that Friday, February 11th. That night, staff at the bar witnessed Tobias and Simona fighting. Katrin was also seen arguing with her brother so loudly that everybody was pretty much kicked out of the bar. Oh my gosh. And that was maybe around 11 o'clock. There is a CCTV video, which I will post, and you can see all four of them coming out of the bar. There is no sound to the video, but you can can just tell by their body language that they are arguing. They're frustrated about something, and you can briefly see them or one of them arguing with a bar staff, with a waiter or a bartender. Because uh, Tobias had just bought a beer, and they were kicked out, and he wanted to finish his beer, so he took the glass outside, and the staff wanted the glass back, so there was a little bit of back and forth going on outside. But in the video, it definitely looks like Zimona and Tobias were the ones fighting. And when you see the video, Zimona was wearing a black tank top, white pants, and she had a red skirt over it. So the question now is, why did the group lie and told the police they weren't fighting that night? Because they were asked several times, no, everything was fine. We didn't fight. 
everything was great. Right. I was thinking that that, you know, that they weren't fighting when they went back, like prior to her just going missing. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, it's relevant. They should have brought it up. Definitely. For sure. So in 2006, Tobias, Katrin, and Jens were told to come back to Australia to testify, and Jens was the only one who went, but not Tobias and Katrin, and nobody made them go. <gasps> so at the inquest, Jens alleged he, Katrin, and Tobias had lied to the police about their activities that night. Simone disappeared, and about the direction she went when she walked away from the campsite. He told the inquest through an interpreter, I don't know who killed Simona. It's possible Tobias may have had something to do with it, but it's not my job to figure that out. But he claimed he had lied to Lismore police at Tobias' request because they had been smoking weed the night before, which he knew was illegal, and because Tobias had told him he didn't want to be a suspect. So they were high. And Oh, my gosh. Okay. So slowly, Zimona's case went cold, and her killer seemed to be getting away with murder. But in 2020, New South Wales police launched a fresh appeal for information about Zimona's death and suggested they were aware that people both in Australia and Germany were not forthcoming about the events in February of 2005. Offering a $1 million reward, Richmond Police District Commander Superintendent Scott Tanner said, we know the truth is out there, and we know there are people who are holding it back. All right. So now, as it seemed that the murder inquiry was going nowhere once again, news of an arrest has arrived at last. It was announced that a 42-year-old man had been arrested at a property in Western Australia and was to be extradited to New South Wales. Who was he? His name was Toby Moran, a.k.a. Tobias Sukfu, Zimona's former boyfriend. The same man who stood in front of TV cameras to appeal for his girlfriend's safe return and slammed police for not finding her body sooner. He even called Australian police kindergarten cops. <gasps> That's awful. Yeah, it took them six days to find her. But yeah, they weren't doing their job to find that monster. So he moved to Western Australia in the years since Zimona's murder. He became a surfer, and while in a remote beach area in South Africa, he met Samantha Moran, the daughter of a rich Perth dentist. Tobias and Samantha were married in 2012 at his family's farmhouse in Altbessingen, Germany, just 30 kilometers from the home of Zimona's grieving parents. Oh. Why would he move to Australia? I don't know. I mean, go all the way back there and risk. It felt like the only thing that was keeping him safe was the distance. Mm-hmm. Well, and he changed his name. His name now was Moran. He took his wife's last name. So I don't know. 
Shortly after the arrest, Tobias was formally charged with murdering Zimona on the night of the argument and acting with intent to pervert the course of justice by covering it up, and he was extradited to New South Wales. And just days after the extradition, police issued an arrest warrant for Jens Martin and Katrin Zuckfüll, looking to charge them with accessory after the fact of a murder and lying, perverting the course of justice. Good. But the German constitution prohibits the extradition of German citizens. <gasps> no. They will not give you up. Once you're home, you're home. They will not send you wherever you committed a crime. You have got to be kidding well, me. Well, I should not say that. Although exceptions can be made for serious criminal matters. And somehow the murder of Zimona was not serious enough <gasps> for them to extradite the other two. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Your hometown is... <laughs> that's where the crazies are, okay? Well, this one is quite a waste from me. They're like in the South. Well, Tobias provided police with DNA samples, and his lawyer said that there was nothing to suggest there's any new DNA that incriminates him. His Australian wife was prepared to hand over her passport and to offer up $200,000, and three other family members were prepared to forfeit another $250,000. So in August of last year, he was granted bail and returned to live with his wife and family in Perth as he awaits trial. It still has not started yet. He is out. On bail. Oh, that is scary, scary. Yeah. So how long has it been since the murder now? February 2005. Now we're 18 years later. But anyone with information about the case is asked to contact Australian Crime Stoppers. Wow. So I am going to stay on top of that. I kind of put an alert on like his name. So if anything new happens, I will let you know. Yeah, please do. We would love an update. Yeah. You no, know, I would. That's insane. Crazy. Wow. Yeah, that girl's poor family. That always bothers me when mm -hmm. justice isn't quite served yet. Her family is hoping for certainty. They just they just want to know what happened. What did you do? Yeah. And why? Why? I wonder how much the other two knew. I think they knew all of it. Yeah, well, I mean, it was just them out there. I'm envisioning mm -hmm. a desolate beach of some sort that they're on some sort of site where they had to hook up. I can't imagine it was mm -hmm. overly populated. Well, there were other campers that have been questioned, and they said they have heard a male and female fight. Some words were in English, others they didn't understand, which I'm assuming is because they were German, and that it was in general just loud for a little while. I think whatever they were fighting, uh, apparently they smoked weed, they were drinking. It just probably escalated. I don't know. Let's not go away with our boyfriends to different countries. Sorry, Luigi, you got to stay home. 
That's right. <laughs> yeah. That was a good one. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank you for sharing. I thought it was very interesting. So, yeah, we'll definitely keep on top of it. Good. I love it. Cheers. Find out what happens. Yeah, so stay sassy. Stay judgy. And stay tuned in with the Judgy Crime Girls every Wednesday. Okay? Love, love you. you. Bye. Bye.